Hi, I'm Kirsten. I'm the branch manager of the Carteret County Public Library in Beaufort. I'm bringing you a podcast today. I'm going to be talking about historical fiction novels, in particular, historical fiction mystery novels. I'm going to compare and contrast two of my all-time favorite historical fiction mystery authors, and that is Agatha Christie and Elizabeth Peters. Now, if you listen to the podcast that Jennifer and I did last time, Love It or Hate It, I mentioned Crocodile on the Sandbank and Elizabeth Peters' Amelia Peabody series as one of my favorites, and I stand by that. It is amazing. If you've never heard of Elizabeth Peters, I strongly encourage you to give her a try. Um, these two authors, Agatha Christie and Elizabeth Peters, well, her real name is Barbara Mertz, but um, under the pseudonym of Elizabeth Peters, are two of the most influential and um, amazing female mystery authors I've ever read. And I've read... <laughs> I've read a lot, as you can imagine. Um, that's one thing we never cease to do in libraries is read amazing books. And these two authors are, are just amazing to me. Um, a lot of people, of course, are familiar with Agatha Christie. Um, you know, she's been around for years and she's the best-selling fiction author of all time. Um, her novels are phenomenal the the way she writes her mysteries and they just grab you and they she writes the the information in such a way that at least half the time you're like whoa I didn't know that's how that was going to end that's amazing you know and she you think you might know what's going to happen and then she pulls the rug out from under you and it's just oh it's always a shock and I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, who these women were and two of their most prolific series. Is. Um, in particular, for Elizabeth Peters, I'm going to talk about the Amelia Peabody series and Agatha Christie. Of course, I'm going to talk, talk about Poirot. I've seen, I used to watch the show, the Poirot show with my grandfather, and I loved it. Oh, I loved it so much. The books, I I feel like they did a great job when they made it into a TV show. A lot of times they don't, and I'm very disappointed, but for that show, oh, I loved it. And we we have some of the seasons of the show here, so if you'd like to come and pick one up, I strongly encourage you to do so. If you're a mystery fan, um, you'll you'll love it. Um, I don't know if you've read the books or not. I strongly encourage you to read the books as well. But if you have read the books and you haven't seen the show, I strongly recommend it. I think they did a great job on that. But uh, to go back to it, I'm yeah, like I said, I'm going to talk about the two women, kind of a little bit about their lives, and then I'm going to talk about these series that I just absolutely adore. I hope you will as well. I really do think that they um, shed a lot of light on certain issues, especially in the case of Elizabeth Peters. Um, I think considering the time that Agatha Christie wrote in 
it's absolutely amazing just how big she became, how well-known she still is today. People are still reading and loving her books. I mean, I I still haven't read all of them. I I want to. It's on my, my to-read list, but as you may or may not know, if you work in a library, your to-read list gets kind of long. <laughs> so I don't know when I'll be able to get to to the books. There are so many great, wonderful books out there that I just want to read so badly. <laughs> um, so starting off talking about Agatha Christie, you know, she started writing in the 1920s and she she lived an interesting life. She um, got married fairly young to a man who was in the army and they were married for a while. He or she had a daughter, and it wasn't too long after the daughter was born. I think the daughter was early child, and he started cheating on Agatha, and Agatha discovered it. Um, well, then Agatha went missing for 11 days in December of 1926. Nobody knew where she went. Um, there was no evidence to figure out where she went. She just up and disappeared for 11 days. And then she showed up in a hotel in Harrogate with absolutely no memory of what happened to her. Um, and, of course, that mystery is still a mystery to this day. Nobody knows what happened to Agatha. There's just no signs or anything about what what happened to her. So after she came back, she ended up getting a divorce from her husband, Archie. And she went on to write for years and years and years. She got remarried later on. Um, She lived such an interesting life. And, of course, again, her books were so influential and so well-loved at the time. And people still, to this day, they absolutely love them. When you're reading them, you get drawn into this world where you're... You're with a Belgian, <laughs> you're with a Belgian trying to solve a mystery, and then you're with a sweet little old lady trying to solve a mystery, and the mystery is, it doesn't always pull the rug out from under you. I don't think that way. I, I, like I said in the love it or hate it that I did with Jennifer, I don't get surprised by a lot of things anymore. Um, I've just been reading for so long and been watching things for so long that now I, I guess it. And most of the time I'm right. There have been, however, a few times that Agatha Christie got me. And I adore it. I wish that happened more often because it's absolutely amazing when it happens. I don't know. Are you guys like that? Do you do you get surprised by things or do you just do you see it coming like I do? <laughs> Let me know because I genuinely, I'm genuinely curious. I think Jennifer is, it does get surprised, um, but I, I don't. I, I've been reading Agatha Christie since I was a child. I, my aunt actually got me into them. I have a lot to thank my aunt for because she actually got me into Elizabeth Peters as well. But considering, again, the time that Agatha Christie wrote in, the fact that she was a female, um, and that her books are still to this day, She's the best-selling fiction author of all time, still, and that's an amazing feat for 
anybody, let alone a female during that time. So I absolutely adore her. Elizabeth Peters, on the other hand, who was born Barbara Mertz, her real name was, well, she was born Barbara Gross, um, and then married a Mertz, and, but that, and that was her real name. She was, um, a very smart woman. She ended up getting her bachelor's and her master's and her PhD all within a short time frame in the late 40s, early 50s. And she got a PhD in Egyptology, which she wrote two books as Barbara Mertz that were about ancient Egypt. They were nonfiction books about ancient Egypt. But then she started writing as Barbara Michaels and was writing these supernatural type mystery suspense books. And then she ended up having children whose names were Elizabeth and Peter, and then started writing as Elizabeth Peters in honor of her children. And those books were historical fiction mysteries. And a portion of them, a large portion of them, ended up being the Amelia Peabody series. She did write other things as Elizabeth Peters, like the Vicki Bliss series. But a good portion of her books as Elizabeth Peters were Amelia Peabody books. And Barbara Mertz was a feminist. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2013. But she was a feminist, and in her books, it's really clear to see that she brought that to life, which is one of the reasons why I love Amelia Peabody so much. I think she is a character that you can get behind and that if you're a, a girl, a, a, a female, you can understand, especially during the time that these books take place, just how impressive it is that Amelia was able to do the things that she was able to do. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that specifically. But I think it's interesting to note just how smart and prolific and influential these two women were. Granted, there was a bit of a time difference. Uh, you know, Amelia was born well before Elizabeth Peters, but they, they did write during the same time Agatha died in the 70s and so there was that gap where they were writing at the same time but there's there's just so much to love about both of these authors about both of these women and just how much they were able to accomplish during their lifetimes we're still talking about both of them if you haven't read uh, i know a lot of people who have not read the elizabeth peters books so I strongly encourage anybody who loved Agatha Christie to read the Elizabeth Peters books. Um, if you love mystery, period. Those two are the first two authors I, I suggest. Those two and Mary Higgins Clark. I do like Mary Higgins Clark as well. Um, but to go back to Poirot for a bit, I think his, his, his very first story, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, was amazing to see how people in the book reacted to this funny little Belgian man <laughs> who comes in and starts trying to solve this mystery that nobody can solve. And I think that was that was what was surprising to me about reading the Hercule Poirot books is that you're picturing in your head, you know, like a Sherlock Holmes type fellow 
But in reality, he's a little Belgian man who's <laughs> coming in and who asks these crazy, ridiculous questions. And you're thinking to yourself, why in heaven's name are you asking that question? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? And somehow it ends up being brought back up at the end of the book. And it's just shocking to see, oh man, <laughs> it really it really does make sense why he asked that question. No other detective would have asked that question. But of course, Hercule Poirot asked that question, which is just amazing to me. And so the very first story, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and the the elderly woman dies. And oh, yeah, by the way, this is rated S for spoilers. I am going to be spoiling quite a bit in this podcast. I'm I'm going to leave some things to the imagination. <laughs> Uh, but there are some things that I'm going to spoil because I think it's important for to lay a bit of a background, lay a little bit of a foundation to build on. So, <laughs> um, but in the first in the series, *Ferret Styles*, an elderly woman is killed. Um, at first, you can't figure out how she, you know, was um, a very rich woman who had redone her will several times, so nobody really knew who was going to inherit what when she died. And there are multiple motives, multiple people who could have done it, but it seemed at first like, it seemed at first like this one particular person did it, but in reality, these two other people kind of conspired to, to do it. So... It's a little, that one did get me. I thought I knew who it was. I knew it wasn't who they were trying to frame, but I thought it was somebody else. And then it turned out it was, it was this other person or these other two people. And I was like, oh my gosh, she got me. <laughs> um, but I think the most amazing thing here about Poirot is that there's so little information about who Poirot was. There were 33 books that 33 novels that had Poirot as the detective and then of course there were like some short stories and um things of that nature that had him as well but the actual novels there are only 33 and you get to know him and Hastings his uh assistant friend kind of I don't know. I mean, he's he's a friend, but he's also kind of an assistant sometimes too. And Hastings is the one. A lot of these books, they're written from his perspective, or they're written they're written by him as an account of what Poirot did. Some of them Hastings wasn't actually in, but it was it was like Hastings wrote it. You you get to know them a bit, but you don't get to know much about Poirot's backstory. You don't get to know what makes him tick a lot. You get some things, but you don't even really get a real age for him. Um, and Agatha Christie came out later and said that she pictured him as an old man, even when she started writing, which, you know, was the, again, the mysterious affair at Styles, but he was going for years and years. And so you don't really have an accurate image of, of just who Poirot is. So it makes it even more mysterious. You know, what, what did this, where did this little Belgian man come up with all his theories? How did he, 
what was so different about his training versus all these other detectives' training that made him so much more? So that's one reason why I, I love it so much. I think the mystery of Poirot makes the mysteries that he deals with even more just amazing because you have no idea. You have no idea. Kind of a little bit to me like Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock Holmes. I think you do get to know a good deal about Sherlock. Uh, but it's that same kind of genius that you're you're just, it takes you aback because, yeah, we, we all know detectives, they work hard, they find the facts, they solve these crimes, um, and it's amazing and just incredible. But the way it's written in these books makes it so, it, it's almost like it's unattainable because it's just so incredibly out there the way they solve it. They see the most minuscule thing that they keep in the back of their head that it drives them. I love those books where Poirot says that he knew from the first moment who did it. He was just trying to prove it. <laughs> And it kills me because I'm thinking to myself, how many people can say that? I know that we can, now we have the ability, or not, we always had the ability, but now it's, it's a study. They study body language. They study the way people react to things. They study the tone and the facial expressions, and they study all these things. And so they use that as part of, you know, well, we knew who did it because of their body language, which... But at the time that these were written, that was not the case. They may have known a bit about it to be able to know, okay, yeah, that guy's clearly suspicious. But they didn't have it down to a fine art. And so just being able to have a character like Poirot who can pinpoint so much from just a, a split-second interaction is amazing to me. And the fact that she wrote him in such a way that it's believable is even more amazing because if that had been anybody else, I don't know that they would have been able to really make him as believable as he is. Um, in a way, I feel like it's kind of like the psych show that had, um, oh, what's his name? It was Sean and Gus. Can't remember. Dulé Hill and, um, Oh, I can't remember the guy who played Sean. Anyway, but they, Sean had that, they, that super hyper observant thing where he could look at the tiniest little detail and he recalled it and it was just amazing. I think the show worked because it was done in a funny way. It was a comedy. It was absolutely hilarious. I love that show. Um, so I think it worked that way, but I think Poirot works because of the way Agatha Christie put her own attention to detail into the book. And I think it's just phenomenal. I think she does an amazing job and she is to be commended. I think she is, she is well deserved to have the title of the best-selling fiction author of all time. So I encourage you, if you haven't read the Poirot series, if you haven't read Agatha Christie at all, I highly recommend you read them. And a lot of people would say that Murder on the Orient Express is their favorite, which is one of mine. But Death on the Nile is amazing. 
I loved it from the first moment. Just the characters in that book will have you, ugh, like there are some that you just can't stand and you're hoping that they fall overboard of the dahabia that they're on. And some of them you just love and want to just see do amazing things. Uh, and, and again, Agatha Christie writes in such a, a way that it comes to life. So you do start to think of these characters as real. And man, some of them you love, some of them you hate. It's just the way it is. But man, oh, I love her so much. I think she's amazing. On the other hand, we've got Elizabeth Peters. And again, I love Elizabeth Peters. I didn't, like I said, I read Agatha Christie when I was a child. Um, and then up into a teen and as an adult. But uh, Elizabeth Peters, I didn't start reading until I was an adult. And I love her even more for the fact that I didn't read it until I was an adult. I don't know that I would have connected with it when I was younger. There were parts of it that I would have, but some of it that I just wouldn't have been able to understand. Um, so <laughs> it, it starts off with Crocodile on the Sandbank. That's the very first book. And there were 23 books in the series. And some of them are told in chronological order. And some of them, a couple of them are not. They're out of order. Uh, she had planned to go back and write the books that were out of order later. Then, of course, she passed away. And the very last book, The Painted Queen, she died in the middle of writing. So Joan Hiff ended up finishing that book, which if you had listened to the Love It or Hate It that I did with Jennifer, you'll know that I did not particularly care for that book. And I hate to say that uh, because I do love Elizabeth Peters so much, but you can clearly tell the difference between the Joan Hess writing and the Elizabeth Peters writing. And it's, it's sad to me. I, I couldn't get behind it. I tried um, because I do think you can't just say that you don't like something. You do have to give it a, an honest try. And I did, but I still couldn't, I couldn't connect with it. So Crocodile on the Sandbank lays the foundation for the years long span of these books, they take place from the er, from 1880 to 1922, and they take place in Egypt. Now, again, Elizabeth Peters or Barbara Mertz had a PhD in Egyptology, which she used to paint a gorgeous backdrop to these novels. She used her degree very well to bring to life what you may or may not know about Egypt and Egyptology. I didn't know, I knew something, because uh, I've always had an interest in ancient history. I actually got my bachelor's degree in history, um, and I've always had more of an affinity for ancient history. So I knew some things, but she wrote even more that I didn't know. And it's like these nuggets of facts in there along with the actual plot that has even more effects. So you're always learning something. It's amazing. But she starts out with Amelia, who is, you do, in contrast to Poirot, you do get to know Amelia's backstory. 
Um, and again, these books are mysteries. So there are those mysteries in all of the books that kind of coalesce into an even bigger mystery that kind of spans the whole series. But you do get to know Amelia. You do get to know what she was like as a child and why she is the way she is. She was the only girl of a couple of, of, of a few different children. And her father taught her all he knew about Egyptology and about archaeology. And they loved history. And so she reaches the age of 30, which in 1880, if you were 30 and you weren't married, oh, goodness. You know, you were a spinster and you were no good for society. But she did it on purpose because she refused to bow to a man and she didn't want a man to bow to her. She wanted an equal marriage if she had a marriage. But she was also, as she called herself, unattractive. So she thought she was not going to find a man who wanted her. So her father dies when she's 30. She ends up inheriting all of his money because her father and her got along so well they agreed on everything he they shared interests so she inherits everything and her brothers get nothing and she decides that since she's 30 she's unattached she's gonna go and go on a tour she's gonna go and see places that she never got to see before that she was interested in so she did she traveled across europe while she's in europe she meets a girl named evelyn and she ends up getting Evelyn to travel with her. She couldn't travel unaccompanied. I mean, she is a spinster and she's older, but <laughs> you still were expected to have some sort of traveling companion. So she has Evelyn travel with her. They are going to Egypt. She really wanted to spend most of her time in Egypt. So they get to Egypt. They meet the brothers Emerson, Walter, and Radcliffe, and they... <laughs> Radcliffe and Amelia instantly can't stand one another. Emerson yells at her because she touches something in the um, Egyptian museum at Cairo. <laughs> and so ever, at, at that point, from that point forward, they're just enemies. And they uh, they go off, the, the Emerson brothers go off while Amelia and um Evelyn are traveling down the Nile in a dahabia, which is a boat, and they're stopping at all these, you know, touristy places, trying to see things, learning things. One of the stops that Amelia insisted on was Amarna, and if you aren't familiar, Amarna was, for a time, the capital of Egypt during the reign of Akhenaten, and Akhenaten was an interesting fellow who defied all of his, uh, all of previous pharaohs and all of the customs and decided that he was only going to worship one god and it was going to be the sun god. And so he moved the capital to uh, Amarna and comes up with his own, has, has people completely redo the imagery um, so, so that it would just worship the sun god. He banned and outlawed the worship of other gods um, which really upset the Egyptian people the Egyptian people did not appreciate that they did not like it and the second he died they destroyed everything that he had built during his time um, so Amelia insists on going to Amarna and when they get there Emerson or Radcliffe and Walter 
Radcliffe is from this point forward only known as Emerson. They are there at this at Amarna excavating, and again that hatred between Amelia and Emerson is just ridiculous. But Amelia insists on staying because she wants to see this excavation. Well, then Emerson gets sick. She ends up staying and helping try to take care of him and and the excavation. She wants to keep the excavation going. So he ends up having this begrudging respect for her and allows her to stay. Well, as they're there, mysteries start unfolding. There's this mummy who appears out of nowhere who... He comes at night and he tries to scare off everybody and make them think that there was a curse placed upon the work site. <laughs> so, so the locals are freaking out and don't really want to stay and help. A lot of them end up leaving because they just can't take it. Um, the brothers, Emerson, Walter is having, uh, is falling for Evelyn. There's a love story. It's, there's so much involved in this. Basically, Amelia and Emerson work together to solve the mystery of who the mummy is and what's going on at the excavation site. When they're done and they, they've solved it, they end up marrying one another. They, they fell in love in an unconventional way, but for the two of them, it makes a lot of sense when you get to know their characters. And it continues through this through these twenty three books. You get to see them as a couple. You get to see them as a team, as a and they are. They're absolutely a team. They work together on all of their digs. Um every year they go back to England um during the hotter months, but during during winter, um, they go to Egypt and they work on these sites together. And he lets her um you know, there's none of this stuff of him stopping her because she's a female she wouldn't allow him to do that anyway but he wouldn't respect her if she did <laughs> so it works it works very well they end up having a son who <laughs> he's given a, na- a proper name but they end up calling him Ramses um, as a nickname and Ramses is just a strange child and vexes Amelia to no end who will be the first one to admit that she's not the most maternal. Uh, she loves him, but she's just not the most maternal towards him. But they have a they have a funny relationship. And, of course, you're with them, again, from 1880 to 1922. So you get to see Ramsey grow up and what he does when he gets, you know, an age where he's getting married and having kids. And then at one point they end up adopting a girl that they found in a strange Egyptian town that nobody, you can't get to it unless you travel for days and days and days away from civilization. And it, uh, it's, it's so, the, the way she writes these characters, they just pop off the page. They feel so real to you, especially Amelia, who again, and I said this in the uh, Love It or Hate It with Jennifer, females, especially strong, independent females, can be written in such a way that it's hard to connect with them because it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel authentic. It's like a, it's almost like a parody of the real thing. And it, it hurts you because you want to be able to read about a, a strong female, but you want her to be realistic. And a lot of times it doesn't come off that way. Well, Amelia does. Amelia comes off as an authentic 
somebody you can connect with and really understand just how unconventional it was for the time that she felt this way and that she acted this way. But man, you could see why she would. (laughs) She's not letting anything get to her. And it's amazing. Ah, I love her so much. And the other characters are just as vibrant, just as real. And the backdrop of Egypt is written so well in just learning all of these cool and fun facts about Egypt and about the history, the rich history of Egypt. But also hearing about the bad that occurred, you know, there were very, there were years in this book, in these books, that it was tumultuous, and she was not afraid to write about it, and she was not afraid to write about what was going on. The the book that was last in chronological order, Tomb of the Golden Bird, gets to 1922 when Howard Carter discovered the tomb of Tutankhamun. And it, I, it's, okay, again, these books are fiction, they're fiction, a lot of what's in them is historically accurate, but there were a lot of liberties that were taken as well. So <laughs> Emerson and Peabody were involved in the uh, discovery of the tomb, but we we know that they were not real people, so unfortunately they were not actually legitimately involved. <laughs> but I I love it. I I do. I absolutely love it. I think the way not only is it great in the historical fiction aspect of it and in the writing of the characters, it's great because of the mystery that's involved. There's always a mystery in every single book. There's a mystery. But then again, there's that overarching mystery that kind of ties a lot of the series together. And I mean, again, this is rated S for spoilers, so I'll go ahead and tell you. One of my favorite characters is like this. You meet him for the first time in the third book, The Mummy Case, which is absolutely hilarious and one of my favorite books of the whole series. Uh, And he is a master of disguise. And he can always make himself look like somebody nondescript or he can make himself look absolutely out there and you're just not sure... You start looking at every book for this character to see if you can spot him ahead of time. And sometimes you can and sometimes you just can't. And then he reveals himself and you're like, what? No way. (laughs) But you do. You fall in love with all the characters and you fall in love with, with just how she writes about Egypt. And you can tell her love for Egypt comes out in these books, which makes you love it even more. Um, I think... In terms of mystery between her and Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie to me is better at the mystery part, as in it's sometimes very hard to figure out why a mystery is being written the way it is. Again, it goes back to that whole, you know, is it, are you able to figure out what's going on? Are you, are they asking those strange questions that you just don't understand why they're asking these strange questions, but then there ends up being a reason for it? Or is it almost too too easy to figure out who did it? Um, in Elizabeth Peters' stuff, I feel like a lot of times it is very easy to figure out who did it. Um, it's easy to figure out kind of where it's headed. And in other ways, it's not. Um, in, in particular, The Master of Disguise, 
that one there are times that it's it's very hard to figure out and it's very hard to figure out why it's why it is the way it is but there are some of the mysteries that you can figure out so i i still love both of them i think they're both great in their own right for their own reasons um i think character wise i connect more with elizabeth peters than I do with Agatha Christie, but the mystery I connect with more in Agatha Christie than I do in Elizabeth Peters. So that's just me. <laughs> I love them both. I highly recommend them both. If you are into historical fiction, if you're into mysteries, if you're into learning random facts, I think Agatha Christie was able to put some random facts in hers as well. She did a lot of research, and it comes across in her books that she she was just she was a smart lady. They were both incredibly smart, and just oh, they draw you in, and it's amazing to me that they are still such prevalent books. I highly recommend. I know again, a lot of people have heard about Agatha Christie. They've probably read Agatha Christie at least one Agatha Christie. But I do know a lot of people who have not read Elizabeth Peters, um, so I highly recommend Elizabeth Peters. I've read a few of the Barbara Michaels as well, and they're pretty good. I do, I lend more toward Amelia Peabody. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. She did have a, a Vicky Bliss series, which was loosely connected to the Amelia Peabody series, but I still, Amelia Peabody is the way to go. So I thank you guys for listening. I hope that you can, you'll give them a try if you haven't. Again, Poirot has been portrayed in films and TV series for a long time. The actual TV show Poirot was great. And then they had a few films, obviously. I will say I was not a huge fan of the um, Murder on the Orient Express that came out not too long ago. Um, I, I just wasn't, but that's okay. It's absolutely okay. Um, and I'm still waiting to see Crocodile on the Sandbank in a film or on a TV show. So, Hollywood, let's do this. <laughs> uh, but I do, I hope that you can give them a try. That you'll, if you like historical fiction, if you like mysteries, if you like strong characters, you'll love them. I think they're just, uh, they're absolutely wonderful. And they're some of my absolute favorites. So thank you for listening. And I hope you can drop by and see us and come check check out some books. Thanks. Bye.